nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. Here to discuss a salacious, amazing, outstanding Austin FC 4, Minnesota United 1, somehow, victory. Uh, joining me today are Brad Tillery. Uh, Brad, how you doing? Perfect MLS game, no notes. Yeah, MLS to hell. Uh, and Charles Peacock of the False Nine. Charles, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. XG doesn't matter. Let's go. <laughs> uh, the sun's shining a little brighter, as always. Uh, no, really, it's actually we were in a quote-unquote cold snap last week. Um, so here we are. But uh, before we get to the super fun stuff, um, I want to do a little pregame stuff because there were some weird things happening before the game actually kicked off um the club tweeted out a lineup that included rodney starting and then that got scrubbed from the internet and then they posted another one with heath and finley starting which made a lot more sense i think to to most of us and there was no rodney even on the bench so uh did he get hurt uh did he like not show up was it an elaborate prank by the front office like what was going on brad okay he was in the stadium okay so we have pictures of him pre-game from the team and we see him sitting next to drewsi in the video post game with drewsi giving the speech to the team after getting the game ball so we know he's there what's weird to me is even if you don't intend to play him what's the point in leaving him off the game day roster you get 20 spots we only used 19 last night none of that makes sense to me even if you have a deal potentially, which some people are speculating, maybe there's a deal out there for a loan somewhere. You don't have to play them. Just put them on the 20 and sit them on the bench. That's fine. It's just dumb not to use the roster spot, but to at least make Minnesota think for a second, right? Um, But yeah, I don't know. It was a weird situation for a solid 30 minutes last night. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a rule where once you publish the lineup, you can scratch a guy for injury or something like that, but you have to like fully scratch him. Um, you can't just like move him to the bench. Um, so maybe that's what happened, but I mean, the club hasn't said anything and normally that's something that they would come out and tell us, right? Like if it was just a simple thing like that. Yeah, you would think, but also the club gets very secretive about stuff. Um, you remember a few years ago in the first season, how pissed off they got at local media for breaking that a few guys weren't traveling to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything when it comes to players, they get super quiet about. So I, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to find out the real answer here. Okay, that's weird. Well, I mean, we'll find out if he gets loaned or sold or something, I guess, at some point. But uh, maybe it's just Roto coming in and already playing mind games with people. Uh, the other wonderful thing we got treated to, and this is just, you know, a minute or two before the game actually kicked off, was Adrian Heath, like, laying out of a executive suite window like it was a day bed like he was asking his you know troubled but you can see there's a painter's soul in their boyfriend to draw him or paint him or sculpt him um and just sort of chatting with people and i don't know if the camera crew saw that and found it hilarious or they were just saying okay adrian heath's uh, suspended due to yellow card accumulation here's a shot of him but that was one of the weirdest things that they kept panning back to. Uh, Charles, you're experts in comedy. Any thoughts there? Uh, Adrian Healy is a genius. That's all I can Or Adrian Heath is a genius. Uh, I, I wonder if the box was like way on one side of the stadium 
and like it was like on the end and he had to like look out that way to see the whole field but then why is the coach in the box on the end and not like the owner's box in the middle you would presume um i'm glad they cut to it so many times because ultimately <laughs> like those crowd shots and those coach shots are always so boring and just like somebody stoically staring off in the distance and instead of that we got treated to just the absolute art on his behalf it was great okay Devin, you're a, you're a fellow college football fan i am funnier picture from a coach from a box last night with heath or hugh freeze in a hospital bed Mm, due to the camera work i'm gonna go with uh adrian heath oh oh you don't know about this do you charles <laughs> no well, I was hugh, freeze the listeners now, too. hugh freeze now the head coach at auburn former head coach at liberty um had like some kind of procedure done they rolled a hospital gurney into the press box and he is there's a picture of him giving a thumbs up with headsets on while he's calling plays down to the field oh my god it's <laughs> okay amazing. it exists <laughs> yeah also if you guys don't know who any of that is and like you don't follow college football hugh freeze is the guy in the movie the blind side that's the goofy coach that doesn't know anything that won't listen to sandra bullock same guy yeah um he's eventually also a terrible human being and yeah we'll just leave it at that yeah yeah uh speaking of terrible human beings we got to see emmanuel reynoso last night um <laughs> great segue good job we didn't even plan that one i'm no, not at all um he looked, uh, you know, just as good of a player as he's always been. And, uh, I mean, I guess let's get rolling on the game the first half an hour or so. Um, you know, we got Wolfware and Verde. We got a nice shot of that on the sideline. And then uh, absolutely no defense was played for about 25 to 30 minutes. Is that a good assessment? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, attempts at defense were made. They just uh, – the, the Kip Keller, especially when he – um, approached the ball and he could neither kick or head it and just had to stand there was an attempt. See, you see that as an attempt. I see that as an offside <laughs> trap because it turned out to be an offside. Yeah. It's just how you want to look at this. Just luring him into a false sense of security. Yeah. And I think we can do that. <laughs> this is a lot more fun to do watching that defensive performance after a 4-1 win than like the 7 to nothing it probably should have been. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, we got absolutely shelled. Oh, the game should have been 2 3 nothing in the first 30 minutes in favor of Minnesota. Like, Stuber stood on his head. There was the play by Cascante, I think it was the 25th or 30th minute, where he just whiffed one on the sideline and let a one-on-one in against Stuber. Um, they, were, they were very content to not let Danny have the ball, not let Drewsy have the ball, force our play to go either out of the center backs or out wide, knowing someone was just going to – mess up possession at some point and then counter on us. And honestly, it was a great game plan until we finally figured out a way to get the ball to Danny in about the 33rd minute or so. Um, because it was apparent from the beginning, their attacking players, when our center backs had the ball, were pinching the middle and just taking everything away from the middle. Yeah, don't and I'm it. actually, I'm amazed more teams don't do this to us because Minnesota's yeah. done it to us repeatedly going back to last year. It's just, hey, lock off Danny and, you know, do your best with Drewsy. And we don't know what the fuck to do. Over, um, the, over the course of four halves of soccer this season, Minnesota's been the better team for three of those four halves. Yeah. And yet How we, we got two wins? Points. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not complaining. It's a weird game. I mean, Minnesota, the interesting thing about Minnesota is that they have so much pace up top that they want to play that counterattacking game and try to beat the offside trap. But all of their players are really bad at getting caught offside, even though they don't 
need that kind of speed advantage against Hilio and, and Kip. Like they like they don't need that extra step to still burn those guys. And they were still trying to like get on the end to do that. And they just didn't need to. And it, it I mean they had I looked at how many offsides they had and, and especially in the first half, they had so many offside opportunities that just didn't need to be. They just they just ran and just lost track of where everybody was. No, but I mean even when they're staying on site, I think they had five, maybe six for the whole game. Um you know, they're kind of getting some tame shots or they're uh, they actually kind of gave themselves the yips a little bit, I think, because they have like three or four really, really good opportunities in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, like one or two, they pull wide. Um, a couple of them, they, you know, Stuber makes a good save, but it's, you know, a good shot that's in and he has no chance. Um, so I think at some point they got to the like, I'm trying to shoot it too small of a target and got in their own heads thing. Uh, yeah, and, you know, even... They've had trouble scoring goals all year, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, they're, they're a team that just doesn't finish chances after they create them. And if you look at, like, the XG chart before Diego's goal, like, you know, they have two shots saved, they have a shot at the woodwork um, on the outside of the post, and, like, it's just nothing but them getting shots that are off target. Uh, how do you think Maxi felt when Minnesota United was ahead in uh, possession percentage uh, and weren't winning the game, were completely dominating, and had just hit a post? Do you think he was jealous, thinking about maybe moving up north? I, I mean, I think he was. I think he was jealous of the post. I mean, yeah. he thought that the post was like cheating on him in some way by letting somebody <laughs> else hit it, and so that's really the only route you could take there. All right. Well, uh, I mean, he stuck through it, and you know, that's how we can ask for him. Uh, I know he really should try to have more compersion for the post, though. That's really what we need here. Yeah. Uh, he should know the the post cannot be tied down by one man, even even such a brilliant man bun and archer as Maxi Ruby. Well, we made it ten minutes into this podcast before this got uh, completely ridiculous. So, um, uh, the game actually made it longer uh, before it got completely out of hand. Um, yeah, we get a goal, uh, kind of out of nothing. But uh, as Brad alluded to, um, we finally get Danny in the play. I, this isn't really that complicated of a goal. If you go back and look at it, uh, Diego has the ball on a wing. Danny basically just runs past his midfield defender who doesn't follow him. Uh, they don't have anybody step go. out. Yeah, yeah, give and go. It's Passes good. back and, yeah, Diego just kind of makes sure he gets it off the ground and lifts it, keeps it under the crossbar. Easy goal. And uh, Minnesota got quiet. Well, that's okay. So I've been to a game up there. It's not an overly loud place to see a game. Um, it's a great place. It's a beautiful stadium. The fans are fantastically nice. The beer hall uh, on one of the ends has a great selection of booze, and it's only like ten bucks for a draft. Actually, not bad. What? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's great. Um, bars around there, Blackheart especially is is fantastic. But the fans aren't. It's it's not an intimidating place to go play. Right. It, it, it's a fan base that it's very Midwest. I would say almost big tennis in the way that they watch things with, if you're like going back to my college football references, it, it's not on top of you yelling, screaming all night long kind of thing. Um, so not surprised that they got quiet after that goal, but back to the goal itself, like we were just talking about, it was nothing more than an easy give and go. Um, Diego, as soon as he passes to Danny, he sees a little slot behind a couple of defenders and just took off. And Danny perfectly weighted the ball through. It wasn't complicated, but it's also the kind of pass that we have not been making all year where we've had guys making those runs and we just haven't been trying to slide the ball through. We finally did. Of course, it's an easy goal. 
Yeah, and I think uh, maybe you don't see it on first glance. When that ball first comes to Danny, uh, Jerusi's kind of playing inside almost in like a striker slot. He takes about two, three steps inside, pulls his defender, and that opens that window just enough yeah. um, for Danny to have an easy pass. I mean, he might have made it either way, but um, he made it really simple for him. Uh, but yeah, I'm overcomplicating this. It's just a it's a give and go. Charles, anything to add? Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but I thought Diego and Driussi's, uh movement and positioning on the left when they were both over there in possession was really good. Um, we'll see that on the third goal. And, and also, like, that's a tougher chance than it looks even as close and as and as open it is because of such a t- tight angle um and it just goes to show that like a guy like diego has so much value not just because of what he does on the ball but ball and with his a ball movement um that really does create chances yeah and, and this team needs diego to be creative and to, to be dangerous right uh to score goals because especially early in the year and the, and the stretch for 30 games where we scored or 31 games where we scored 31 goals. And now we have 11 in the last four. It, you notice that the guys we need to step up the D, uh, Diego with a couple of goals, the last four games, Drusi's got a few, Zardes has got a few, but we also, you're seeing contributions come from our attacking four five, six guys up front that weren't there earlier in the year. That's what's really helping open up the offense um, we need him to be successful for this team to be successful. So it's nice to see um, Diego really stepping up and I think burying a few shots here and there now. Yeah, there's a really good stat I saw earlier that the last 11 Austin goals have been scored by seven different players, um, which is a really good sign for a team that was so Drusy dependent last year to mm-hmm. really be able to spread that out. Yeah, um, and they're kind of our rotating kind of core guys, and then we're getting just a few uh, a chip-in goals from other folks too. Um, I did get a kick out of the announcer in this game, who I think used to be the Minnesota United announcer, one of them. He did. The play-by-play uh, Yeah. Yeah, he goes, oh, uh, and Diego Fagundes is not going to miss from there, and I'm just kind of laughing to myself because Minnesota had already missed two or three chances from basically the same spot. Um, you know, maybe not exactly as close, but – uh, I was like, all right, well, I guess are you just sort of saying this team you uh, used to announce for just doesn't have anybody who can kick the ball in the back of the net? Um, all right, well, good to know. It's also uh, kind of true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they have, what, the largest uh, gap between expected goals and actual goals, I believe, in the league? Yeah. And if, yeah. If, if if not, I'd be shocked if they've fallen out of first on that. I mean, they've yeah. only scored they've been pretty hard 22 goals all season. They've only scored 22 goals all season. If it weren't for Colorado, they'd be really bad. Well, and yeah. four of those 22 were last week. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I mean, the assault continued down our end, and then um, another fun play for us about 10 minutes later. Um, again, that's that left-hand side. Uh, we released Gallagher coming through. Um, he takes a nice touch, gets hauled down. Referee calls a penalty. Uh, Charles, do you think penalty, no penalty? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably a, a penalty. I think it was kind of soft. Um, I I still can't tell, even after they showed the replay 15 times, whether or not Debassi got a piece of the ball or not. Um, so I felt like one of those things where, because it was called live as a penalty, it stayed as a penalty. And I'd still like to see them uh, make the ref look at it on, on, the, on the monitor. Because ultimately, like, that is, like, getting that second goal, especially right before halftime, is a really big momentum change in terms of expectation for the second half. Um, and at the same time, like, I'd have been pissed if it wasn't called. 
because I, I do think it was a foul and on the, on the edge of the box and Gallagher had clearly beat the defender. Um, and then Drews, he obviously just slots it home like he always does, especially against the backup keeper. Hey, I went to college with that backup keeper. Thank you very much. <laughs> very nice boy. Uh, Brad, any thoughts on the penalty? I mean, I always go back to the penalty, non-penalty debate. Is it a foul anywhere else on the field? Yeah, if it is, then it's a penalty. The laws of the game don't say, well, because it's in the box, it has a higher standard. That's, that's a bullshit fallacy that people follow for some reason, and I don't understand it. That is a foul anywhere else on the field, thus it's a penalty. Easy call. Okay, yeah, I'm a little closer to, to Charles Camp. Like, live, I was like, absolutely stone-cold penalty. Um, you know, you see the replays. Gallagher pretty clearly gets the first touch. There's a little bit of a question if the defender comes in and then, like, gets a touch, then hits Gallagher. But, I mean, once that's a penalty on the field, like, yeah, maybe I would like to see him go look at the monitor. But, um, you know, it's not a clear and obvious error either way. Especially if you go back and watch the replay full speed, you're going to go, oh, penalty. Um, like, they were nice enough to include in the highlight package and no detailed slow replays. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, once it's a penalty on the field, you can't overturn that, right? Yeah, no. there also just, like, didn't seem to be an angle that showed definitively whether DeBossi got a touch on it or not. And to me, like, that's the real definitive marker of, like, whether that was a penalty. Because yeah. I think if he gets a touch, then it shouldn't be called. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, but it's not like, you know they're showing us this like an, an absolute granular level at referee school saying, would you call this on the field? It's, Hey, is this, you know, a clear and obvious error. That's not a penalty. And it's a very clearly like, well, either a penalty or I don't know. Um, and I'm kind of in the, I don't know camp, but um, either way, I don't, I don't think there's any way they could have overturned that. Uh, it sounded like they were going to for a minute. Uh, very long review, but. Um, yeah, Drew UC slots at home, and um, in the span of about three minutes, we go from, wow, I really hope we can take this uh, one goal lead in the halftime and maybe salvage a draw to, what the fuck is happening? Because, um, you know, we look at that, that first half, and we're getting completely outplayed, and we're up two to nothing, and it's a little surreal. Uh, Charles, how'd you feel at halftime? Uh, surprisingly confident. Um, it felt like Minnesota kind of played or we had kind of gone through the part of the game where Minnesota had played really well and they didn't have anything to show for it which is always mm -hmm. just kind of a bad sign for any soccer team of of uh, just not being able to convert any goals when you're playing well um, and so I didn't think that they especially a team that's been bad this season was necessarily going to have the kind of like conviction or belief in themselves to make a comeback after being down two goals and a half. Yeah, I've definitely seen Arsenal lose that exact game from Minnesota United's point of view like a thousand times, or it seems like it at least. Um, Brad, were you feeling good going in the second half? Yeah, I mean, we really haven't given up two goal leads. You know, we've given up a few one goal leads here and there to, to draw, but we, we haven't. If we get multi-goal leads, we tend to hold on and we win. So I wasn't worried about that um, at all. I felt, I felt comfortable and confident about the second half and just being able to minimum get out of there two one. Okay. Yeah. I was a little less confident, maybe sideways, half joking, thought about putting some money down on a team Pukki hat trick in the second half. Uh, Cause that guy can finish. Um, and I was a little, little worried about that, but um, we actually solved that pretty quickly. Minnesota came out and they actually almost scored in the first like 30 to 45 seconds. Uh, maybe it was closer to 90. Um, but we get a nice play. We almost get a back-to-back a -back week of uh, Nick Lima, uh, absolute rocket shots. Um, we have a nice play down the, the left-hand side again that was just cooking all night uh, when we did have the ball. 
Um, nice dummy from, I think it was three UC coming through. And uh, Lima has all day to set this up and just lace through it. And he just kind of fluffs it, still almost gets past the keeper, but, um, you know, uh, he scuffs it a little bit. Keeper makes the save. But um, were you guys still feeling pretty good there, uh, even before we get this third goal? Yeah, I was just more surprised Lima didn't push it over the bar like normal. Actually getting on top of one and driving it into the ground, which caused the the, the bounty scuff ball, was more shocking than anything. Well, we're all growing as a team, so uh, that's good. <laughs> good to see. Baby steps. It, I mean, it would have been a lot funnier. It would have been a lot funnier had he scuffed it and scored, as opposed to like all the times he like hits it pure and just like hits it too far over. And it's like, oh, you completely flubbed this, but like you got a goal out of it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you flub it, uh, you got more of a chance than if you're hitting it way out of the stadium, right? Um, but then we get this third goal, and I think at least for me, this is probably the best goal we have of the day. Um, and it's basically a break. Danny brings the ball out, you know, plays it wide. Zardes makes a very smart decision to not go after the ball and come back inside when he sees uh, Ethan Finley. Um, Charles, I know you're going to bring this up, but Diego makes a great run to crash the inside of the box. Finley pops it over everyone, and Drew, he kind of had circled back around. Um, this is almost like a, a basketball inbound play at some point where you have all the guys cram one area and then uh, just throw it over the back to the guy uh, right underneath the basket. Um, great cross from Finley. Uh, Seb is not missing that. And uh, we're up three to nothing. Uh, thoughts on the goal, Brad? Uh, I think you got to go back to the beginning. The, the touch that Danny had to bring the ball down mm. and then start the counter was gorgeous. Um, and then driving through, that, that really set off the whole play to me. Um, the rest of it was exactly what we were looking for. And I think what we were doing a lot of last year, right, which is making sure we were crashing the box um, and doing it on the run, whereas opposed to this year, seemingly we were trying to set up more crosses and be stationary in the box – we got the defense disorganized and took advantage of that. Um, Finley's cross was inch perfect. Um, Dreyusi does what Dreyusi does, which is find that space in the box and especially inside the six yard box. He seemingly always knows where to be. And like you said, he's not going to miss from there. That, that was one of the prettier goals, team goals, especially we had scored all year. And it was on a fucking counter attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Amazing Charles, how that works, huh? Charles, anything bad? <laughs> uh, I mean, Brad summed it up really well. I think the the thing that's really good to see is just the extra movement by Diego and Driussi and Driussi's ability to kind of be that second striker, late runner into the box that we kind of hadn't been seeing a lot for the season um, seems to be back. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's a health thing or, uh, you know, we had those couple weeks off for international break, but um, we were speculating, is it going to be, absolute turmoil and make things worse or is it going to make things better and i think we got our answer at least right now it looks like they made things better it, it just feels like we've simplified the attack you know as opposed to being so dogmatic in what we were doing um previously and so slow and deliberate it, it just we seem to be taking more chances and willing to run which is what we were doing last year that worked um you know there was the report where Jerusi apparently went to, and some other guys went to uh, Wolf and said, we need to go back to what we were doing. We were successful with it. We were comfortable with it. It worked. Why did we deviate? And it looks like that's what's happening. Um, and I think them responding with 11 goals in four games is 
a really good thing for the players because I think it actually care, helps them carry more weight when they go back and ask for more things from Josh down the road if they need to. Because it's like, hey, we, we asked for this and it worked. How about trying something else or making sure we're taking in that feedback moving forward? And I don't know that that's necessarily a good or a bad thing on Josh. Is it good that he listened? Yes. Is it bad that he needed to hear that from the players? Also potentially yes. I'll stick up for Josh a little bit on this one because this is his first job. So, um, you know, maybe that's a learning thing where he needs to actually go and talk to his players and listen to them more and be proactive in the future and say, hey, guys, this shit isn't working. Like, what the fuck do we do instead of making them come to him? But, um, I mean, we'll we'll take it, right? And they definitely look like they're playing with more freedom and less rigidity, like you said. Uh, and it looks like they're having more fun. Yeah, so, but, you know, it's also weird because at the same time, Josh did something last night, which he doesn't usually do, and it was nice to see. He made a tactical change late in the game where he went he to did. five in the back. That was the five in the back system that we played for about a month, month and a half straight mm-hmm. as our as our main lineup earlier in the year. So it's such a weird way to try to have to evaluate Josh's performance so far this season when you take it just from an MLS perspective. Now, if you want to look at Violette and uh, U.S. Open Cup against Chicago, by all means do because – that still irks me. Um, but the way the season has turned out and things that he's doing or trying to change up midseason, just from an MLS perspective, it's actually pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we're sort of seemingly on the rise. I still don't think we've played well the past two weeks, generally. I mean, like, it's 4-1 win. We're not going to complain about it, right? Uh, it's the most goals we've scored since we smacked LAFC around 11 months ago. Um, but... You know, it seems like we're on the rise and we're in fifth, but I still don't think we're playing that well. So, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like, can we play better and, like, actually have a chance at doing some stuff? Or is this just sort of a, hey, the second we come up against, like, one of the really good teams, we're just going to get, you know, buried into the ground? Um, Charles, you've been quiet for a little bit. Any thoughts here? Uh, No, I mean, it seems definitely that things have turned a corner now that Wolf has relented on what he was trying to do earlier in the season and went back to last season's tactics and, and lineups. Um, for whatever reason, just Finley and Diego as the wingers just works better than any other combination we have. So it's good to see him uh, come back. I'm actually really interested to see um, the next two games because a way to Vancouver is a place that we've never won or even gotten a point, I don't think. And then uh, coming back with a revenge match, match against Sporting KC at Q2, you know, having a really strong lead up to the League's Cup, which I think the fan base is a little divided on how seriously we should take it, will at least give us like some impetus to, that we should take it a little more seriously. And that we'll at least have uh, like a lot of positives for the fan base as opposed to the like terrible loss to Sporting KC and then we did have a match for 11 days and everybody was just at each other's throats and mostly Josh's. Yeah, and mostly Josh's and his friends. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, any thoughts on kind of how we've played? Because, I mean, we massacred Houston, who can't play away from home. Uh, you know, like a C-plus team for Frisco. Um, didn't really play great against arguably the worst team in the league in Inter-Miami. And then, you know, didn't play well, but got the job done, which um, we actually ended up in this weird spot in this game where Minnesota was so dominant that we ended up having to play like a counterattack style just out of necessity. It wasn't tactical, but we just ended up doing it because they were so much better on the ball and moving it than us. And I wonder if they're going to go back and look at film and go, oh, maybe we should do that sometimes. 
Yeah, um, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think the last. So the last two weeks were fantastic. The results, getting the win last night, I didn't expect. Right. I thought maybe we could sneak a draw. And I said at the beginning of the road trip, if we could get four points on this three game road trip, I'd be happy. I just expected the three to be in Miami. I don't think you can just look back and go, well, you got your four. You still have to evaluate that performance in Miami and go, that was substandard. You have to look at the first 30 minutes last night and go, good God, what the hell? And then the rest of the game, I mean, what we talked about it pre-air that uh, Minnesota had, what, 13, 14 corners last night? Uh, 14, yeah. Yeah, they were all over us most of the evening. Um, The Frisco and Houston games, look, glad we won. You mentioned it. Frisco played a C plus B minus squad. That same squad just lost to a bad Colorado team last night. By the way, um, that was, and it was hilarious. Colorado's great result home, for us. Colorado's yeah. first home win of the year. Um, and then Houston has won once on the road all year. Now, granted, it was at LAFC, but it was it was against a tired LAFC. Um, they haven't done anything else away from shell all season. So. You want to show me that this team's really moving forward, and, I, and I'm happy with the points, and I'm happy that we're moving, that we're climbing the standings for sure. And we certainly look better, like scoring goals. Go get a result in Vancouver, and then come back home and win against Sporting because Sporting's playing a lot better than you might think they are. They didn't play great last night against Houston, but overall their trend has been solid. Remember, they started the year just dog shit, and now they're on the edge of the playoffs. So if you can come into Leagues Cup with a what would be, I think, a six-match unbeaten streak with four wins and two draws, okay, now we're starting to talk about something. But it's got to be – I want to see what we did for the last 45 to 50 minutes last night. I want to see that consistently for 90 minutes against a team that we're probably more evenly matched with in a situation, which is going to be Wednesday night in Vancouver. Yeah. And I mean, just to, you know, we'd kind of been talking about it the whole time, like, hey, win a few games and the standings will change. Uh, we're on the same games played as LAFC and we're four points behind them. Like when we got absolutely wrecked by them earlier in the year, that didn't seem even in the realm of possibility. No, the, the great thing about the win last night is for the first time all year, I think we're in a position where if we lose next game, we actually can't drop out of the playoffs completely. Interesting. You are finally, we're finally clear. Um, and we're building some buffer between us and ninth place. Now, that buffer is Vancouver, so that could change quickly, um, depending on how Wednesday night goes. It, it, the team in the West to watch for is RSL. Yeah. With their signings and the way they're playing, they could easily finish top two in the West. Um LAFC is going to get healthy. If I'm LAFC, I know they've said they're going to take Leagues Cup seriously. I would kick a can on Leagues Cup and focus on MLS Cup um, because they look tired. They just flat. They need a break. Um, But if they get rested, they can easily win the whole league again uh, for MLS Cup. But RSL, LAFC are the teams that I would be really paying attention to in the West as the teams that you have to beat if you want to make MLS Cup. Yeah, RSL hasn't lost since May 31st, um, which is eight games, and they just smacked around Oklahoma City. They just – I mean, I i know we've had so much of the, like, LAFC Death Star narrative this season, but 
RSL is a team that I would not be surprised to come out of the West. They yeah. they are really good with their signings. They've done a great job, and they're and they're getting healthy because they finally got some of their guys like Krylak back um, this season. Yeah, uh, it'll also be interesting to see kind of who goes far in League's Cup, who rebounds well from League's Cup. Uh, I mean, we kind of brought it up last week talking about, oh, haha, wouldn't it be fun to see Messi? Well, with the way LAFC is playing and the fact that, you know, if we can string together a couple decent games, we don't have a great uh, Liga MX uh, pairing with us. Um, win those two games, win at LAFC, it's possible with the way they're playing, then we get a host possibly uh, inner Miami and Messi. That looks way more likely now than it did two, three weeks ago. Well, I will yeah. say this. You say we don't have a great pairing, but Juarez is one and one so far in the Clausura with a win at the Azteca against Club America. Um, and their draw was against Tigres. So okay. they're playing a pretty decent football right now. Um, I don't know it's going to be as easy as we think to come out of this group, uh, even at Q2. Well, I mean, it's not like we underestimate teams we play against in club comp- in cup competitions or anything. No, like, no, we never did that. That would never happen. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how how much the Liga MX teams um, really try in League's Cup with their season just starting. I'm, I one of my favorite silly things is that none of their players throughout their entire system can have the same number. And so I love nothing more than seeing like a triple digit number um, because it's just one of those like silly, silly things that I hope MLS adopts. Um, and so I'm interested to see how seriously they take it when they're playing so well, especially when all of their matches are road matches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the other two we're playing is Mazatlan, right? Yeah. 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 They're, they're currently playing against Pumas. Um, they're, they're in the 80th minute right now, but if, Results hold, they're going to start with two draws in the league against Pachuca and Musa, uh, and, Ma- and Pumas. That's not a bad start for Mazatlan either. Um, I-, I don't know. I think we're catching a couple of teams that might be playing better than their form in the previous uh, season for Liga Mackey showed. And I don't think we're going to catch the break we thought we were catching in our draw. No, but I mean, you know, let's get, uh, if we can, four plus points this uh, in our last two games, and, and we'll move from there. Um, and just so everyone knows, we are going to have Seth on to do a, a full preview to tell us all the shit that we don't know, because I think between the three of us, that was everything we know. Yeah, about pretty much. Cup. <laughs> yes, I, well, but that and I much, much, much prefer the League MX uh, playoff structure. So, yeah, that's about it. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll get all the kind of the high level players folks to watch and then none of them will play. And, uh, you guys will have all that information in your brains. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be great, but, uh, we do need to wrap up kind of the, the brief little game summary. We kind of talked about the, the corners a little bit. Um, they do end up scoring off one and that pissed me the fuck off with how great Stuber was playing. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't like really matter, uh, in the long run. I don't think like it shouldn't. If it does, we're going to go, oh, that was terrible. But like basically they just finally, you know, they whip in another corner. Guy heads it on. First guy gets it past the uh, uh, end of the box. I don't even know if the uh, um, Minnesota United player sees it, but it smacks off his head uh, with a little bit of a um, pace on it. Goes between Stuber's legs. 85th minute, fine, whatever. The game's not in doubt. Um, No matter what the announcer thought, like, hey, you know, oh, Minnesota United's going to come back. Um, 
it's not they don't have a Poyo to to grant them a miracle like that. But I mean, did you guys have like did it just take a little shine off the game or was it like full on depressing? What did you think, Charles? Uh, I mean, it was more disappointing. Like, I, I, it's one of those things where uh, some some people in the fan, especially in the Austin FC fan base, judge Stuvridge solely by the number of goals he allows, as opposed to all the saves he makes. You know, it, it goes to show that the goals that are scored against us are are always these kind of like cheap ricochet goals like this. Um, and also, like, but at the same token, like the guy who scored it is a homegrown player. It's always nice to see those guys score, especially at home. Yeah. Good for him. Couldn't happen. Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer kid. And uh, and you know, I guess we could have been up by more at that point. But um, you know, we didn't have to worry about it. Brad, anything to add? Nah, Pookie didn't score, so that was fun to me. Yeah. Uh, Reynoso didn't score. Also hilarious. I, I feel bad that we didn't get the clean sheet for Stuber, but uh, you know, I think what the percentage to score on a corner is something like eight percent. When you give up 13, 14 corners, eventually one's going to go in. Just the numbers are there. So okay, it happened. Yeah, and, you know, most of those I think we defended pretty well. It's not like they were raining in corners for great chance after great chance or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. Zardes especially as kind of like the front man, like the first man defending, did a really good job of not letting any of those corners get in. I thought he quietly just had a really good game last night too. Yeah, he was very uh, yeah. drop-deep workman-like. Um, like I said, made a very smart decision to not grab the ball on that third goal. Well, um, the second goal, he did some work to really set up Gallagher's run. So it's nice to see him kind of moving around better. And uh, and hopefully this is the player everybody, you know, who signed him thought he was going to be. Uh, I, I'm not one of those people who says he has to score, you know, X, Y, Z goals if he's doing stuff like this. Because, uh, you know, they locked off Danny and we talked about it. Uh, he's dropping in and playing very deep in the midfield when that happens. Yep. Uh, yeah. So as long as he's facilitating things for the team, fine with me. Charles? Yeah, I mean, they even like, even lock, I mean, we're talking about them locking out Danny, like, Owen Wolf only got 24 touches last night and he only attempted 14 passes the entire game. Yeah. They, they, we could not get the ball between um, to, to progress up to him at all. And that was a, entirely a function of how Minnesota was playing our midfield. Yeah. Um, we did get the last laugh though. Uh, everyone's favorite designated player, Emiliano Rigoni <laughs> comes on, has uh, a couple of decent chances. Um, actually playing some pretty good uh, one-twos and some balls with Seba. And uh, eventually we get uh, a very nice, you know, come around um, the backside of Gallagher or uh, Gallagher and, uh, you know, wings it across. Nobody there. Rigoni puts it in. Uh, I think we said this was a 0.92 XG. Is that right, Charles? Yeah, that's what uh, football reference has it. Yeah, 0.92 XG. Uh, never had any doubt. Rigoni had it the whole way. Uh, fourth goal, you know, hope you had your fun, Minnesota. Go home sad. Um, Brad, anything uh, you were thinking here? I thought the play that Dreyusi made was beautiful. You mentioned circling around. Um, he saw the open space on the right side of Gallagher and almost just ran like a basketball-style pick and roll, right? Yep. Um, and and Galley just – Simple little feed to Sebas at that point. Everybody was out of position. But that was such a heads up, oh, hell, there's space there. Let me go run to it to open up the entire play. Um, and one where if Rigoni misses that, then come on, dude. What the hell are we doing here? Um, yeah. 
Actually, but, that exact run my buddy refers to as the M and M because it's just the player going round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, you know, Ragoni shot previously that was part of that play. That was the rebound back out to, uh, yep. back out to us on that same play. It wasn't a bad shot the first one. Um, pretty decent play by the keeper there, but it, it's nice that he got on the score sheet. Right, we still don't need a DP coming off the bench. That's there's two things that can be played there. He, it's great that he's on the score sheet. It's bad that Ethan Finley is still above him in the starting lineup role and playing better. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody's calling for him to start, but you know, he had a decent cameo. Oh. You got to start somewhere. Oh, I saw a Twitter take last night where someone basically said, Rigoni's back. We need to play Sid Zardis and play Rigoni up top. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need 140 characters. There you go. Three. No. period. <laughs> this isn't FIFA. I think that's the biggest thing. That's such a FIFA move of like, oh, who are my highest living guys? Okay, we're just going to play them. Uh, no, he looked good. I thought his movement looked good. Um, you know, it's better that he scores the 0.92 XG chance than not score it. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like, you know, he has to finish that. And But I, I think the thing that's, that's good to look about it is that I felt like Rigoni um, – was never a player who made a lot of very like aggressive uh, runs into the box. Um, he just didn't have enough like ruthless verticality to do that. And I wonder if like watching Finley and some of the other players and what they've been doing made him kind of realize like, oh, if I just run to the back post, like people are just going to pass it there, and that's just where the ball's going to end up. And so hopefully that's just like a sign of things to come that at least like he'll be standing there in the right place. Well, the other thing to note too here is we had flipped you. Brad kind of mentioned it earlier that um, you can call it a three-four-three, you can call it a five-two, whatever, um, if you want to. But basically, it's three at the back with Lima as one of the center backs, Julio in the middle, and Kip out uh, on the side. And so we have those higher wing backs, um, Gallagher and Lundqvist to that point. And so this is when Ragoni was actually playing better. Was when we were in that three-five, whatever you want to call it, system. Um, so I wonder if that was part of why he looked better. And I mean, obviously like game state, the game's over at that point. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I mean, how much do you think that factors in? Uh, I mean, I think it definitely does because he, he seems to be the type of player who needs to be a little more central than like somebody like, um, I mean, I think Diego is, is a little more comfortable out on the wings and even, and even Finley is too. Uh, you know, the same thing with Rodney, like Rodney played better when we were trying to play more centrally with them and get them more active and on the ball and let them interchange. Whereas I don't think that Ragoni has like that winger style of, you know, of, uh, of really being like creative in terms of dribbling through there. He just kind of seems to be like a pass stationary pass kind of player. Yeah. He's a little more of that kind of like inside forward, attacking mid-ish kind of role rather yeah, than like, like I see hey, get why... your boots on the chalk or get your chalk on the boots yeah like i see why somebody would would look at him and see that like before at like other clubs he's played more of a striker role it just kind of misunderstands what we asked the striker to do because mm-hmm. if you put Ragoni in that role he's going to get the ball even less and he's not going to be as effective as zardes in the hold up play the defensive responsibilities and then everybody's going to be like oh well, Ragoni sucks too and it's kind of like, well, that's that's what the position requires. Like, we have to view the players and how they're playing differently than what you think they should be doing. Yeah. I mean, just because it worked on your last football manager save doesn't mean it's going to work in real life. Uh, I mean, I won the MLS Golden Boot with Rodney Red as in FIFA. Like, like FIFA's not real. No. Look, if FIFA's not a simulation, then what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, really, the only reason they like pay those guys all that money and like trot them out is so you can get accurate ratings on all the players. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I mean, overall, um, a good win. I, you know, scoreline's a little misleading. Even the XG's a little misleading. I think we ended up like 3.4 to 2.6 or something close to that. Um, but most of that's the penalty and the uh, Rigoni chance slash chances at the end, or about half of it, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Football Reference has it at 3.4 for Austin to 2.1 for Minnesota. And yeah, like half of ours is, is the penalty and Rigoni's chance. Yeah. But I mean, we kept Pookie, who's a pretty good high championship, low Premier League striker, um, kept him quiet. Obviously, he's newer there, so not fully bedded in. But we kept the the narrative goal that should have happened, according to them, uh, from happening. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we ride out of there with a 4-1 win. Uh, we are now even for the season on goal difference, and we're in fifth place. Brad, what do I make of all of this? Because I don't know. Yeah, it's MLS. Um, nothing makes sense, and the the games don't matter half the time. I guess. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I I think the thing to make of it is we do have a realistic shot to jump into the top four by the end of the season. Um, I know everybody's saying a home playoff match, y'all. Everybody gets a home playoff match this year as long as you're in the top seven, or right, because of the weird little best of three rule that got passed for the playoffs. Yeah. So. Home field advantage is what you need to be thinking, not home playoff match. Um, I think there's a realistic shot we can get to that top four, though. Like, Seattle is gettable. Um, LAFC, it depends on how they if they if how they attack League Cup to me, how they rest up. Um, Salt Lake's the one we talked about earlier. I, I think our realistic ceiling's probably where we are now, fifth. Um, it's nice to be ahead of Dallas and Houston in the standings for a change. Um, and just for bragging purposes, because uh, God knows they were crapping on us all year. Uh, we are a perfectly balanced MLS team, man. Eight wins, eight losses, five draws, zero goal differential. Like that is arguably what MLS wants to see. It's par- uh, parody, much like the NFL, right? If everybody went eight and eight, the NFL would be ecstatic. Um, it, we, we'll take it. We're not going to complain about finally moving up the standings. I do think we're a playoff team. I don't think we'll have much more than a playoff team at this point, unless we make some extra moves. And I'm curious to see what Rodolfo does here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I guess let's get into the the moves. Cause we didn't make one before this game. We have uh, a Loney from who I think was playing on the union uh, MLS next pro team, but has some first team experience uh, named Brandon Craig, all the, the best footballers in history uh, or all the greatest human beings have two first names, as we all know, um, as their first and last, but, um, you know, he's a tall guy, he's young, he shows promise. They basically like heckled Jim Curtin for loaning him out, saying like we Philadelphia need to keep him around. So I think that's a good sign that he's a decent player. It gives us some center back depth. Uh, does that worry you guys that we're not gonna actually like sign another center back? Yes and no. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same place about it. Like I he seems like a a player who is talented and, and, and could play MLS minutes. Um, you know, going back to what, like, the media and the fans were kind of um, uh, razzing Jim Curtin about, you know, I, I think one of the, the best ways of viewing any move is looking at how the other team's fans react. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that says a lot. I think they just are in a different place in terms of how they are able to provide him minutes and are trying to 
get him first team minutes to for to get him experience in a way that you know Austin kind of tried to do with Kippy last year and didn't quite work. Um, so at the very least, he's he seems like he'll be competent depth. Um, I I hope this isn't a return back to trying to play three center backs at a time because I I just don't, don't believe in the system. Um, it doesn't feel like the only move they want to make. Whether or not it is the only move they do make is still up to question. I think it's the only move we make at center back. This this window. Um, if you look at Craig in the U20 World Cup, he was the best center back on the U.S. team. Um, his He could play with his feet extremely well, which is, I think, why Josh really wanted the really wanted to play mm-hmm. uh, and the pickup, rather. And the system that the U.S. team plays is pretty similar to what we play. It's, it's not that far off. So it, well, it's not going to take them long to pick up on it. Um, I, we always we keep saying how thin we are, but there's two things to remember here. One, League's Cup's coming. How seriously do we take it? If we only play two or three matches, we don't need that much depth. And then you're talking about three weeks off with no matches, um, plenty more time to integrate Craig into the system. Also, you could play him in those League's Cup game and not really lose anything. Like, is anybody going to be that mad? Um, and then we forget that Leo's most likely going to be back in September-ish. Um, and once Viasinen comes back, your your main two center backs are locked in every week with him and Cascante. So I don't know that we need to make a desperation center back signing right now. And this is, to me, a smart piece of business for both clubs. The union get a young prospect MLS minutes because he's being blocked at the first team there. He doesn't have – there's no space for him there at the first team to get minutes. We get help at center back. And potentially – if he's good enough and he fits us, we could make an offer to Philly to keep him. Mm-hmm. It, maybe there's a GAM offer or a TAM offer or whatever weird-ass garbage buck rule there is out there. But if he fits and we like him enough, why not try to keep him at some point? Which I've already, from things I've been reading and talking with some folks, that may be the play here from us already is we have interest in keeping him over the long haul. So I actually like the move. I, I don't see the need to go desperately sign a center back at this point. Um, I would rather address other areas of concern. Yeah. And he already has a friend on the team in Owen. Yeah. They can share camp stories together. They can go, all the, they can go to all the bars where they put X's on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be so fun, guys. Um, I guess the other move, quote unquote, that we've done so far is uh, Gite's loan at Ajaccio um, ended on June 30th. Uh, we basically just sent him out to a, I think it's a second tier Turkish club. Um, so I think the writing is on the wall there. He's not coming back, uh, with how, especially with the speed that happened. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's a full year loan. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, it was pretty much well known within circles that family reasons mean he wasn't going to be back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, wish him well we could certainly use him I think um, I think he'd be the number two striker on this team right now um, yeah. but end of the day you got to do what's best for the family and the player and you know not going to hold against him for not coming back yeah and I saw a weird I don't remember who this was so apologies for not giving credit but they basically said I feel bad that I don't miss GTA as much because outside of one game I don't think he did that much for us uh, and I'm not, I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, you'll get a stats that's 
pretty much true stat wise, but I always thought he was a fun guy when he'd come on and he'd make things happen. I go back to his debut against the Galaxy in 21 in a game we won at home. It was one of the more electric 30, 40 minutes of soccer we've had somebody play. He was making runs left and right and taking the ball. I mean, there was one play in that game where I think he he had a shot and ended up off the bar or something like that or just high. Um, and he he basically went on a 30, 40 yard run uh, to make that happen. He, he had the goal against Frisco in the playoff. Um, he had another goal late in a game to get us a draw. I think it was Orlando last year as well. Um, I, he had bigger moments than I think most people remember. It's just the hat trick game overshadows a lot of that. Yeah. And I mean, we've never had like a bang in 30 goals. Great. Every time you touch the ball, like the whole stadium goes, Oh, type of striker before. And I think he's been like the closest we've had to that. And part of that's kind of like, like we talked about the way the system works, but um, he very much had that like kind of, okay, well, anything can happen with this guy feel uh, Charles, anything to add? Yeah. Especially like um, when he'd go on those like long runs and just kind of always seemed like at some point those were going to result in just absolute goals that everybody was going to lose their shit on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think he'd definitely be an improvement over, Maxi, I think that that second striker spot is um, something that Austin needs to look at trying to improve. Um, and, you know, it, I just wish that his situation was different to where he could stay here as opposed to the family reasons that he has. But, I mean, hopefully he lights up the Turkish second league and, and gets a better move than that. Yeah. So, I mean, that does give us some weird uh, – for those – we're not going to get too deep in the MLS rules, but that's two of our uh, U22 – uh, guys that are definitely gone through the end of the year. Um, Rodney's the other one. And, he, you know, there's already a case to maybe kind of cut him loose. Uh, you got the ring uh, DP slot that you can maybe um, buy down. You've got a uh, player you can cut loose. Could be Amrotaric. There's all sorts of weird stuff at play here. Um, so the club has announced that uh, they're going to do the official introduction of uh, the new sporting director tomorrow, and he's not going to tell a shit because he shouldn't. But um, you kind of wonder how long he's been surveying the scene here, uh, if this has been kind of like in the works for months, or if it was a more like emergency thing or what's going on. But I think we'll kind of get a better feel of of how long that guy's been in the pipeline in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I was shocked that Wolf said in the press conference that they were working on two players in league and two players out of league and even giving like details of that, of what they were working on. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sure that we won't learn anything or we won't learn too much tomorrow, but it seems like the club is at least like trying to give indications of like, we're working on it. Yeah. I mean, that's good though. That's what we asked for. Like we were, you know, at the height of Wolf out, we kept saying, well, okay, you guys have the sporting director shield you're using tell us something about the fucking sporting director. And then like two days later, it leaked that we were hiring this guy and everyone. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, um, oh no. The, as, as fans, we've learned that we can bully the club. We've bullied Wolf into wearing Verde. We've bullied, um, we've bullied like all these things just through like online presence. And so this idea that like the club doesn't pay attention to us or doesn't listen to us that some fans have like really isn't true. Hey, not, my wife and I bullied them into creative engagement. Jersey. Yeah, that's true. You started all this shit, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and Carrie, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, not give the proper credit. Both of you started this shit. He deserves most of it. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, I think this actually puts us in a little more of an interesting place too for the Wolf Out crowd, because now that we have a sporting director and it's not, you know, some random guy who used to work in Columbus or a U.S. soccer apparatchik, it's like a guy who has like serious world cred, not necessarily as a sporting director, but like in analyzing the game. Um, it's going to be, hey, this guy has the reins. He has no prior attachment to Wolf. If he thinks Wolf should go... Wolf's out the door. If he doesn't, Wolf stay. And so, I mean, that kind of, maybe we can still have the kind of fun on the line debate about it, but it's less of a, I don't know, an existential crisis, I feel like. How about you, Brad? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen people say, well, the Wolf Out crowd's mighty quiet right now, or this has to silence it. No, we lose it earlier. I'm not there yet, right? There's, I think if you look at the totality of the season, there's still a lot of questions that have to be asked. The last four games, great results, but eh, look at, Look at context, you know, um, between the, the, the squad Frisco played, Houston's road record, how we played in Miami, how we played for 30 minutes last night. Like, it's still not great. And and I think consistent is the word that we're looking for here, right? Results have been great, but the consistency on the field has not been there yet. Um, but, yeah, it'll be nice to – I think if Rodolfo wants to do something – I don't think anybody in the fan base is going to immediately challenge why he would do it based on the credentials that the man brings. And, and yeah. the, the catch you're going to have to ask, you know, whenever we do have a coaching change, as long as Rodolfo is here, there will be a piece of this fan base clamoring for him to be the coach. That's insane. But not unexpected. Um, I will say, though, like, you know, tuning up bad teams is an improvement over what we had been doing, like scrappy bad draw against Colorado, losing to LA Galaxy. Like, yeah, we can kind of say we're hesitant about it, but like this is what we should be doing, right? Yeah. At least results-wise. Results-wise, it's, it's back where we want to be. It's, yeah. it's, it's there. Um, I, I, for me, it's just consistency. We need to see consistency of play within those results. I want to see the performance that we had for, you know, 45, 55 minutes last night. I want to see that for 90 from yeah. the get We shouldn't have to dodge bullet after bullet for 30 minutes to get into the game. Yeah. And I mean, to Wolf's credit, you mentioned it, like we're up three goals. We switched to that three at the back formation. That's a lot more secure than what was going on. We're still not playing great defense in it, but uh, it was way more secure than what had been going on before. Yep. Um, I guess point against Wolf here. Uh, I still have some concerns about the subs, so I guess we'll open this door here. Um, Danny is probably the most indispensable player on this team. I'm not saying he's the best player, but we don't have anybody else who can do anything that Danny can do. Like, in theory, we can play kind of Diego where Seba is and kind of make do there. Um, Nobody on this team can do anything close to what Danny can do from his spot. Um, And he picked up his uh sixth technically but his suspension yellow so he will miss the next game and i don't know if this is like a wolf wanted to sub him earlier and he didn't come off um or if danny doesn't have a visa to go to vancouver well he went to he went to montreal last year yep so i don't think that's the problem and vancouver last year i thought too yeah yeah i think those were like emergency exceptions and for some reason i thought they were tied to covid I don't but know. I don't, I don't remember. I'm a little concerned here. I, go, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm okay with the yellow last night. Danny has played more damn minutes than he needs to play. I've, and the guys on We Are Us and TV actually made the point. Like, if you look at 
from the beginning of the season and now the much as much uh tape that's going around his knee continues to grow every week yep i have no problem on a short week giving that man a week off and not playing on turf you know what it's fine but we can deal with danny without a game let him get some rest he needs it i mean i would just rather it be like an intentional hey we're gonna sit you versus uh you know we're gonna sit you due to actual like maintenance reasons versus like hey, I forgot to pull you off the field even though the game was over and you got a dumb yellow card. Yeah. Uh, Charles, any thoughts here? So the reaction after Danny got the yellow card and got subbed off was laughter. You can see him clearly on the broadcast laughing as it was happening. So I don't feel like it wasn't intentional. And I don't know if this was like a Galaxy Brain Mourinho thing that Wolf was trying to emulate of like, of like, even if you're unsure if Danny can go, it still has reason to try and do that if there's any doubt. Yeah. I, I agree about the minutes. He's actually second in minutes on the team behind Stuver, who just never sits because he refuses to sit ever. Um, and I think that's a bad thing. Um, so He's running a little bit more than Stuver, too. Just a tad bit. Um, I think his ground coverage is, is just slightly more. Yeah. Uh, so I think him at least like getting a rest is also good. It also resets the yellow card count, which I think also has some value to it. Um, so I just, I just don't have a big problem with it. Yeah. I mean, uh, end of the day, like fine, he gets some rest. He doesn't have to travel and it's a long flight too. So, I mean, like that doesn't really matter. And I think we're all a little skeptical of our ability to go up, play on turf in Vancouver, um, long flight up there, late night game. Uh, and get anything out of that game anyway. So it's probably a good one for him to miss. Um, but we do have to complain about Wolf on this podcast. So that was the one that I needed to uh, to pick out and do since he did wear Verde. Um, and yeah, I mean, if it's kind of like, a, oh, well, we don't, you know, like you said, like we're waiting to find out, you know, maybe on Monday we will find out if he can go or not. Um, fine. Now you don't have to worry about it. Like it's not the end of the world, but uh, it, it's just more of like a, hey, um maybe we need to think about this a little harder in the future and hopefully this is like a one-time silly thing not like an actual like bad subbing mistake yeah it just seemed too coincidental for me and i wouldn't be surprised if like in the next couple days the club like makes some mention that he wasn't able to go or something um so yeah i i think there's a lot of things that you can still complain about wolf about um i don't think those things have gone away or will go away uh, but I don't think his subbing last night was, like, terrible. No. He does look less scraggly now, too. He's having a little bit of a rough patch there. No, he looks like he's getting more sleep, so I think not being a sporting director is helping. Yeah. You know, uh, 10 points from four games probably didn't hurt either. Uh, and a decent goal differential chunk. Yeah. But uh, anything else from the actual game you guys think we missed? No, on the field. What about off the field? Oh, that, that that gets into the the weekly up, down, everything in that nature. We're good. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay, yeah. You guys want to go ahead and get that started? <laughs> yeah. All right, Brad. Brad, stock rising. Go ahead, <laughs> since you're so eager here. <laughs> yeah, stock rising, I was good at the Finley. Um, yep. I thought I thought he was really good last night. I thought his assist was uh, really nice, especially. Uh, 300th cap as well in the MLS, so congratulations for him on that one. Um, to get that and get the assist in his old stomping grounds was good. Um, and I think over the last four games, like he's proven that he deserves that starting role right now. Um, so for me, it's, it's Ethan Finley. 
Yeah, I believe he's the 59th player in MLS history to to clock up 300 appearances. And uh, like you said, he's been playing well. So uh, whoever wants to start Rigoni can go pound sand. Uh, Charles, uh, your stock rising? Uh, my stock rising is going to be uh, Daniel Pereira as a uh, playmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we He has uh, three assists on the season after not having any assists in MLS before this. Um, he obviously had the great assist in the give and go to Diego and then really was the, the reason behind the third goal, both his touch to corral the ball and his progression forward. Uh, and that's really the next step in his game of being the kind of, you know, going back to a player who, who played really well in the system, Darlington Magby, of somebody who can get the ball and progress it forward and lead your attack. Yeah, Brad mentioned it on the third goal. He basically, like, carries the ball down and then beats two people on, like, one and a half touches, I guess you would call it. Um, to spring that entire play. And then he's it's just all grass in front of him. And he runs that play, and uh, we get a goal out of it. So, um, yeah, good good shout there. Uh, I'm going to take the easy route and just pick Diego slash Diego's hair. Because, um, I mean, he, he had a tough start to the season, and then he was hurt, and, you know, maybe that injury was lingering, and he's almost looking completely full speed. I'm sure they're still going to manage some minutes to, to not re-aggravate it, but all he had to do was dye his hair pink, and now he's fine again. So, um, you know, we'll we'll keep that one uh, in the locker for next time he's having a little bit of a, a struggle, and and we'll go from there. So, so fun fact: Austin has won seven of the eleven games where Brad Stuber is wearing the Malibu Stew kit. So we we really need to embrace the pink vibes in Austin. Yeah, and I mean, even on the FCTO level, uh, Damian seems to be playing pretty well when he rocks that. Uh, so we need to make it a club-wide thing. Just mandatory. Yeah. Uh, do we know how they pick those, by the way? Is it just based on your team's uniform? Or do they say, hey, you know, your team's uniform is whatever. You can pick between these three. Like, does the keeper have a say? Do we have any idea? I think I think the sign. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think sign Stuber, yeah. yeah, I think it's Stuber at some point said that he could state some kind of preference. But okay. I don't know how much of that is like taken seriously. Yeah, it's an at the end of the day, if it works out, it does. But you don't actually get to say it. Okay, makes sense. I mean, considering how many times the ref kit color or the ref shirt color and the keeper shirt color look similar, um, I mean, it's just good for them to have just a lot of options and, and colors of uh, colors that aren't just regular like club colors. I think Miami is the only team that is pink. Yeah. Um... I think maybe somebody has like an alternate that's pink, but yeah. Um, and maybe they wouldn't let us wear that against like, say, Orlando with a purple because they're too close. But I don't know. Um, since you brought it up and I forgot, um, everyone fine with the referee yesterday? No real complaints? It was fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, it was fine. Fine. Game was yeah, refereed. I... Yeah, like I didn't think any of the cards were, cards were egregious, and I think the penalty calls perfectly fine. So that's all the yeah. moments. Yeah. All right, uh, Charles, stock falling. Um, just because we have to pick somebody, I'm going to pick Owen Wolf, mostly because yep. he was just kind of absent. Um, yeah, I didn't think like he had a game either. Like I said before, like he only attempted 14 passes. He only had 20 some odd touches. Um, I know some of that was a function of just. Minnesota collapsing on the midfield, but you also just as a player can't just let yourself be marked out of a game like that. Yeah, and I mean, some of it was the whole team getting hung out to dry with the way we were playing on some of those counters, but some of them he just made an absolute meal of them. 
And uh, I mean, he's still a young player. He's learning some of this stuff, but uh, that was not his finest hour. Um, yeah, I, I had to pick. You made me pick someone. Yeah, <laughs> Brad, how about you? I've got two. Um, nice from from the te- from the field and on the field, Skip Keller. Um, he had a few falling. Good, okay. No, uh, yeah, he, he had a few good plays last night, but man, he got bailed out due to some help from his teammates. Uh, we talked about the one in the tenth minute already. Uh, where he got bailed out on an offside after just completely whiffing one. Uh, don't forget later in the game too, when we were already up three nothing, he went up for a headache challenge, a header challenge in the in the box and missed time to jump completely. Um, and I think it was Will Trap he was going up against, and Trap was able to chest it down and just couldn't get a real good shot off. But Keller, there was no real progress last night for me last night out of him. And I think now that he's going to get some extra competition from Brandon Craig and a young center back, the pressure is really on him that if he wants to perform and stay on this team, he's going to have to go now because there's an argument that you got two guys who are just as inexperienced out there playing against each other. Why not play Craig who's already in the U S national team system and probably has more promise over the long haul. Well, uh, Craig hasn't had the mandatory nine-year betting-in system to learn Josh Wolf's uh, super complicated uh, way of playing. I guess he is in the U.S. setup, so uh, we did mention it's kind of similar. The the second one is uh, Minnesota's SG in the Wonderwall um, because I don't know if you guys caught this, but right as Danny Pereira before the third goal, he's getting the ball and he starts on the counterattack. There is a very loud and very obvious we want Pookie chant going just as Drayusi is burying the ball for the third goal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. <laughs> just the timing of it was absolutely perfect of their SGs chanting, we want Pookie, while Austin is countering and in the process of scoring the third goal of the game. Yeah. Um, and, well, they got him. Didn't help much, but um, it's nice to keep them happy, I, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there was a shot that Minnesota comes back at that point, but um, at three nothing, that game was, should have been over, and uh, we did a good job seeing it out. So good, good for them. Um, they got to see a goal at least. Uh, they got a nice little consolation, but yeah, that's unacceptable. That's insane. Uh, I'm gonna go for my analysis of Ethan Finley as a player. <laughs> so I'm gonna own this one a little bit. Uh, cause when he was coming in last year, I kind of pegged him in as the sort of like Paul Ariola get to the byline, smack it across, uh, maybe hit it into a guy's shins and get a corner. And this is my maximal effort type of guy. And he's actually a lot more versatile than that. And I've noticed it over the past month or two. Um, he can cut inside. He can play inside when we give him the freedom to do it. He's very good at, you know, popping that cross over people, hitting the back post, not just sort of, you know, he does do the, you know, blind lay it in into a spot here and there, but, um, you know, he's finding random kind of scruff goals and things like that. So, uh, go him and boo me and Ethan's parents. If you want to come at me, go for it. I'm here. I'm here. Um, okay. So we got those out of the way. Uh, biggest moment of suffering. I think Charles, do you have one or do you have multiple? Um, I have one. Okay. So the moment of suffering wasn't necessarily a moment. It was a half. 
It was the entire second half of having to listen to Colin Williams and Dan Gargan <laughs> repeatedly talk about how sloppy Austin was while we were winning by three goals. I understand that you are there to provide analysis and you can provide analysis of the game of saying that like, oh, you know, these were kind of against the run of play or blah, blah, blah. But at some point you have to give up on that and understand that one team is beating the other by three goals and you need to also convey that in your analysis instead of just being a skipping record saying Austin's been sloppy. Austin's been sloppy. If you did that as a drinking game, every time they said sloppy, you would have been dead at 60 minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, that was analysis. Um, smash and grabs are like the most fun games to win, too, because you're like, oh, well, we got something out of that. And I thought we played like shit. So it's um, not even a smash and grab. They won 4 1. Like, you can <laughs> complain about that all you want to. Like, they scored four goals and the other team scored one. You have to praise the team that scored four at some point. So it's smash, 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 smash and grab. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Hulk would be proud of us on that one. Um, oh fuck! I just reminded myself of those stupid Marvel warm-up kits. Now I'm sad. Uh, Brad, help me out here. Um, I, Charles kind of stole mine. I was going to say 90 minutes of suffering for for my ears yeah. um, because it wasn't just. Uh, he, he makes the point already about how you got to praise people. I go back to in the first half at least two different times. Renoso gets the ball, and the play-by-play announcer goes, "Oh, he's full of ideas." No, he wasn't. He just dribbled out wide, did nothing with it. Yeah. Like, every time he touches the ball, you can't be full of ideas, man. I'm sorry. And this is me as a – this is just me as a play-by-play guy who's – I've never called soccer, but I've called plenty of other sports. Dude, get some versatility in your fucking language. Sorry. No, I mean, like, they were – even just starting off before any of that stuff set in, they were kind of, I don't know, like, grating and annoying. And I don't know if it was the audio quality or what, but, like, it just seemed a little more – amateur than some of the other apple people we've had it was not a well commentated broadcast no. it was not good at all do do either of you remember the preseason match i think in 2021 where uh austin played fc dallas and they had their like social media blogger team announce it yes that was fantastic they were better than the team last night and those Ugh. were like 20 year old kids like, it was so, like, both I would of us rather, agree on our moment of suffering, and I don't think that's ever happened before. I would rather <laughs> listen to most of the MLS Next Pro play-by-play people than what I listened to last night. Oh, the, the one MLS we've had recently is great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, now the Salt Lake, whoever did the Salt Lake game a week or so ago was great. Like, I, the, the lady who did the play-by-play for Salt Lake against uh, our RSL 2 and Austin 2 was great. Yeah, um, I don't know who did the game Friday night because I was there, but yeah. Yeah. Also, um, speaking of FCTO, Brad, I think you got my wife's uh, in trouble with her coworker for scaring his children at the uh, FCTO game. Well, because uh, you were too loud and mean at the uh, other team. I question though, did I ever cuss at them one time? No. Thank you. Nope. Thank you. All right. Well, <laughs> go to FCTO games. They're a lot of fun. You can heckle people with Brad and I. Uh, you'll find us. Brad, Brad's very audible. You'll be able to figure out which one he is uh, if you don't already know. Um, I'm going to go with this weird moment. I think the game kind of turned on this penalty. Uh, like, obviously, we had a goal, but you know, you could have seen a, a route for Minnesota to come back and 
and take the game. And so there's a moment where, you know, they go to review and I don't know if this is the announcers not knowing what the fuck they're talking about, because that would definitely fit in with what you guys were saying as well. But he goes, okay, no, it's definitely a penalty and like checks over. And then, you know, they stop and the ref like points to his ear again and says, wait, wait, hold on. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if like the announcers just got it wrong and the check was never over or they like, were like, okay, check over. Wait, changed our mind. Second check. Uh, and I thought they were going to pull it back. And, you know, that was going to like absolutely kill our momentum uh, and basically like kill off the uh, beginning of the smash, 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 smash and grab. But uh, it didn't, and it all worked out, and Seba buried a penalty, and that was a really fun game, and we should do more of it. Yeah, I think that was our first penalty in a non-playoff match in, God, almost a full season of games. Uh, yeah, I can't think of one. It's been a long time since we've had a penalty in a match that wasn't the RSL playoff game. Yeah, I think – well, I'm trying to even think of, like, Real good shouts we had. Like, there were a couple against VLED, but um, other than that, I don't know if we've had any really big, like, hey, that guy took our guy down or handball or anything like that, chances to to even get one, like make the ref make a call type of things. No, it's amazing that, you know, passing the ball on the ground in the box and moving with the ball at your feet in the box uh, leads to these kinds of opportunities, right? Yeah, put people (laughs) under stress and make them make, you know, uh, spur-of-the-moment decisions. Maybe they'll screw one up. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, well, just something to think about, Josh. We know you listen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, anything else you guys think we need to, to cover? No, I mean, I, I think for y'all, like, as you look ahead to this week, in the next two games coming, what is your bar for success with the next two games heading into the break? Uh, just for the next two? I mean, we kind of looked at this, and I said – pretty much like Miami through uh, the start of League's Cup. We need seven or eight points. We're at four. So I'm going to stick with that and say, you know, we need a win and a draw would be like absolute, totally awesome, perfectly fine. Uh, just a win in one of those two games, and I'm happy. Charles? Yeah, I, I think same place. I think trying to get up to seven points out of the out of the matches would be – a good amount of momentum going into League's Cup as long as we don't just get, like, blown out by Sporting. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to kind of, like, end on a win or end on a, a good game. I don't know if that's... Because it's not exactly like a break, right? It's just shifting gears. So I don't know if it's as important as, like, going into an international break or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of back and forth. Would you be happy with two draws? Not at home. Not at home, yeah. Not at home. I, I mean, I think that depends on game state, but, like... No, I, I, I think Austin especially needs to try to win every home match, especially yeah. against a team. You know, we talk about sporting playing better recently, but they're still know, bad on the road. They're, they're still they're still in 10th. Like, that's still a team that Austin yeah. should beat. Well, they've won one game on the road all year. Yeah. And they nearly pulled one off last night before choking it away and then Houston deciding to shove people over after scoring the time. <laughs> reasons I'll never understand. I can't uh, believe that guy didn't get a red card. That, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't. I watch Concacaf, but <laughs> they're still well, a terrible it, road team. It's it's also like, wasn't he complete? How, how is helping them waste time by pushing them over going to help stop waste time? I don't know. People do this a lot, though, and it <laughs> well, drives me up the fucking wall. Same. <laughs> also, what's the point in wasting time from the Kansas City perspective? And I don't think they were trying to waste time. 
when you had just blown the win and literally the clock's about to get blown anyway. I don't know. Welcome to MLS. The logic doesn't hold up. It's not a logical game. (laughs) MLS. And it's not, I would say it's not a logical league. That's, that's, that's what we've come to learn. Yeah. They should actually, uh, they should use that as the new tagline. It's not a logical league. (laughs) Uh, Just chaos incarnate. Uh, Um, But yeah, I mean, like, as long as we don't get like smacked around and like nobody gets hurt and we win at home, I think I'm happy. Um, You know, maybe somebody throws a shoulder into Sebastian Berhalter or something. Um, But we tend to get the shit kicked out of us in Vancouver and by Ryan Gold specifically. So um, I don't have high hopes for that one. And, um, you know, naturally it's going to be a late night one. And I, I think just from memory, we don't tend to be up till midnight and be very happy. Yeah, I mean Seattle this year is the exception, yeah, that was good. but yep. I mean, also like Ryan Gold like is coming off a little bit of a hot streak. I would not be. He's <laughs> he will probably be in our nightmares again. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, you know, this will be the first time if we can get a point in Vancouver, we'll go undefeated in Cascadia. Yeah, which we've never done. Yeah, that'd be solid. Um, yeah. Keep forgetting the uh, Portland game happened because I was in the uh, out of the country and. I was going to try to watch it, but it was like some crazy hour, uh, like three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, eh, no. I mean, we're scoring summer. in the 94th minute. It's always a great time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I mean, we can go up there now and say, well, we played against the team that has, I mean, he didn't play, but real messy. We can't be scared of Scottish messy now. So, I mean, <laughs> there you go. There's my pregame speech. <laughs> hire me. I'll actually do this for free. Um, please don't hire me. But um, <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? I'm good. No, that's all my notes. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, wow, you take notes. Impressive. Um, <laughs> hopefully we uh, we come out with at least three points in the next couple of games. And uh, we'll go from there. We'll have some Leaks Cup special stuff for you on top of the normal things. And um, maybe we'll do some other things kind of coming up. But we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, on behalf of Charles at the False Nine and Brad, um, as always, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altino squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.